When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. morning. It is time to get up with a devastating diagnosis. The king dinged doesn't spell the end of the Lakers season. Meanwhile, the first really big day for Rodgers. We will get our best indication yet of what his future looks like. Don't miss the latest right here. Plus, it's a national holiday. Mel's latest mock with trades galore at the top. Wait till you see where the QBs are headed now. We've got all that and a whole lot more as we get up with you from snowy New York City. Look who, look who braved the weather this morning after the busiest day in the business. Monica McNutt is here. Bartholomew, like the post office, he always delivers, never worried about the weather. Meanwhile, Jeff Darlington is like 78 and sunny in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, my God. He's not worried about it. Tim Hasselbeck, Woj with the latest on LeBron. All that is on the way. Let's do it. We start with the game of the night. Monica, the Knicks, whom you cover on a regular basis. They had won five straight heading into their home date with the Celtics last night. And for Jason Tatum, this was an indication of the kind of night it was going to be. Absolutely. Mitchell Robinson in his third game back, coming back from a foot injury. He made his presence felt in a real way throughout the basketball game. Things off to a good start for New York, and it would stay that way. There's Mitchell Robinson off the alley-oop from R.J. Barrett. Knicks up 14 at the half. Third quarter, more from the Knicks. Julius Randle playing well, and he's finding Emmanuel quickly. Emmanuel quickly is in that six-man conversation, and he should be. He does a great job of finding the gap so that his teammates can locate him for those jumps. He had 23 last night. Now, here's Jason Tatum throwing it down, but he's not happy he didn't get a call. Tisk, 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 Not only was Tatum frustrated by the Knicks defense overall, I think he was frustrated with what he was what he was able to get done. Yeah, which was not very much. Tatum six of eighteen on the night, and his night would end early after Josh Hart knocks down that three. Look at Tatum; he's barking and he's finished. He's down for the night, and the Knicks win their sixth consecutive game, 109-94. The only team in the NBA right now with a longer active win streak is Milwaukee. The Bucks have won 14 in a row. Knicks will try and make it seven straight as they host the Nets at MSG tomorrow night. So well, that's where the begins on the court. But the news off the court yesterday was candidly just terrible. Uh, the biggest story in the league. The Lakers fear they could be without LeBron James for some significant period of time because of the foot injury he suffered in the third quarter Sunday against Dallas. I remember that he popped up and finished this game and and Monica you were here with me yesterday and we thought wow it appears as though they have dodged a bullet well maybe that is not quite the case here's the man who knows all Woj is up with us early this morning Woj for those who've not seen your reporting what is the latest on LeBron? Hey Greeny the the fear is that LeBron James uh, could miss several weeks with this right foot injury uh, that he suffered Sunday against Dallas. Uh, More testing, more evaluation, uh, uh, certainly as soon as today on LeBron James. Uh, But, you know, with just weeks left in the season, a Laker team that is still uh, trailing 10th place in the West, the final play-in spot by a game, uh, there is concern that 
uh, James uh, may be out several weeks. And even with a Laker team that has, uh, according to ESPN's analytics, the easiest remaining schedule, uh, certainly an uphill climb to get into the postseason and uncertainty about not only when LeBron James might be able to return this season, uh, but if he'll be able to return. I think there'll be a clear view on the extent of the injury and a potential timeline uh, here shortly, Greeny. But uh, the fear is LeBron James will be out several weeks. Ah, brutal, right? I mean, Monica, I, I don't really have a better word than that, right? Just mm-hmm. brutal. I, I mm-hmm. mean, it, it appears it's almost bringing you to tears. <laughs> it makes me emotional. <laughs> She's got a little uh, contact issue. But, 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 I mean, you and I talked about it yesterday. Yep. The, the, the entire basketball world holding its breath as he was mm-hmm. saying he, he thought he heard a pop. And then it seemed everything was okay, but then he's limping, and now this. This is the nightmare when it comes to the Lakers. As much as we marvel at what LeBron has been able to do over 20 years of his career, Time and Father Time is still to some degree undefeated. And any of us that have battled any sort of foot injury, even if it is at a minimum a um, a plantar fasciitis fit, that's something that you just cannot play on. And several weeks, there's only several weeks left in the season to echo what Woj said. Now, for me, I hadn't jumped off. I hadn't jumped into this team being in the 60s. Do I think this is a team that still can make a push and be in that play-in? Yes, but obviously this is a devastating industry. industry. I had jumped. I, I you had did. jumped. You know me. You I fall easy. <laughs> I, I fall in love very easily. Woj knows. He was making fun of me all weekend long as I was doing all the mathematical <laughs> probabilities. Woj was looking at me, 17 and 5? That, that, that's the way. I, I, because I saw it. I mean, they looked like they were putting something together. And LeBron, quite candidly, let's just have a moment. Woj just said it's if, not when. He comes back this year. Mm-hmm. If his season is over, I don't know that everyone appreciates because their record is not very good. Mm-hmm. The, the, the unprecedented no. greatness at the age of 38, he has had the greatest season relative to his age of any player of all time. He has absolutely been tremendous, Greeny. But I think what we've seen happen in the past two seasons when it comes to LeBron is there is we are unable to connect his greatness to a team that has not performed well when you look at the standings. We are accustomed to LeBron in the postseason. We are accustomed to LeBron teams making deep runs. And so there's been this disconnect of sorts. I mean, you even think to him breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record this year and the kind of awkwardness that surrounded that particular day. So individually, there is no doubt how great LeBron is. He continues to push the needle and move the standard in terms of what greatness can look like in our league. But it is still a team sport, and so I think we wrestle with kind of connecting the two, particularly for a storied franchise like the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, look, I mean, the season isn't good enough. The, the, no one is questioning that. But LeBron is not the one to blame. Again, whoa, just a, a final word, whatever, however you want to put a ribbon on this. Again, uh, you told us that we, we should expect some news on this uh, perhaps as soon as today. Uh, that's right, Greeny, a clear timeline. But, but Monica said it. Since he's turned 38 years old, Uh, Nearly 32 points a game, nine rebounds, seven and a half assists assists in the 20 games since LeBron James turned 38. Yeah. All right, Woj, outstanding as always. Thank you. We'll check back with you. If there's any further information, of course, you'll get it. The latest here. Monica's with us all morning long. But right now to football, because today could be a very significant day, particularly for those of us who are waiting with bated breath on news regarding that man. In about an hour... The general manager of the Packers, Brian Gutekunst, is going to meet with reporters at the Combine in Indianapolis. Let me explain exactly how this is going to go for everyone, because if you are one who has been waiting for news on this, you've seen all along that 10 a.m. Eastern time today, which is almost two hours from now, he will have his press conference, which a lot of the GMs do at the uh, Combine. But 
an hour before that, he's meeting in a more sort of uh, intimate fashion with the team's beat reporters. And one of them is, of course, our Rob Domofsky, who will be there. And if any news from that comes out whatsoever, he will get it to us immediately. And so I am at the edge of my seat because, Jeff, as you and I were talking about early this morning, Jeff Darlington, um, there, just there's one thing that he will tell us immediately that feels very significant. Yes, the question is very simple. What level of communication have you had with Aaron Rodgers? And I think it's very important to listen carefully to his answer. Uh, if they're not in clear discussions about Rodgers' future, whether or not he is returning to the Packers and what it will take to get him back with the Packers, then it feels at least like this is headed in a direction that perhaps we should expect to start to hear whether Aaron Rodgers is going to ask for a trade. Now, I'm not saying that this is the end-all, be-all of Aaron Rodgers' fate, but last year at this time, during this exact same press conference, Brian Gutekunst simply said that, you know, the conversations are ongoing. The difference between last year and this year, though, was that there was going to be a contract that clearly needed to be worked out between Rodgers and the Packers for him to get on the same page with the team. This year, that doesn't exist. The contract is in place. The contract they did last year was supposed to set them up so that last year and this year were very clearly with Rodgers playing for the Packers. So again, if the answer is anything other than, yes, talk to Aaron Rodgers, we feel like we're getting on the same page, then I'm concerned about the fate of Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay. Tim, I'm trying to read the wry smile on your faces as we all try and do the impossible, which is put ourselves inside of Roger's head, and no one knows exactly what he's thinking. What, what are your expectations here? Well, I don't know that we're going to learn a whole lot today. I think my, my wry smile, Granny, was that Darling can, like, do any – I mean, he can spin any object on the planet, and yet he, he had to <laughs> describe what happened last year and this year. That was clearly more difficult for, for him than spinning, you know, books on his shelf. Okay, I guess I would just say – I would say this. Just because – Aaron is in communication with Brian Gutenkunst and the Packers. I don't think that necessarily means that he's going to be back there. I, he could be in good communication with them, and it could be about discussions in terms of going somewhere else. So, you know, I don't know that we can read into, hey, they've had great, clear communication. Um, you know, they've talked quite a bit. That doesn't mean he's returning. I think there are a couple teams in play. I think the Jets are in play, Greeny. I think the, the Raiders are in play. Green Bay certainly is uh, an option for him to return to. I think there's another team um, that could be out there as well. And so when you look at those, um, I, I think all of it has to be kind of in discussion uh, with Aaron Rodgers because he has to be part of the plan and, and because he's got to kind of guarantee this other team that he's going to play for him this year and potentially beyond. Yeah, and there are three things that have to happen here. The first is that Rodgers has to tell the Packers if he wants to continue playing. Then they have to decide yeah. <laughs> if they want him to continue playing for them. And if not, they have to figure out where he's going to go next. Bart, put it all in perspective for us. I mean, this is the most passive-aggressive relationship I've ever seen. Nobody wants to be a bad guy. <laughs> nobody wants to say, I want to leave. Right. So nobody wants to break up. Like, you break up with me so I don't have to you know, face the wrath of the fan base. Such a good but point. Th listen, I'm more excited to see what happens when he goes on the Pat McAfee show. First of all, huge disappointment when I think about Aaron Rodgers. How can you tell us about going into a darkness retreat and you only last two and a half days? Come on, man, you had a hot tub inside of there. I cut my nephews in the hole right now. He's fine. Like, I don't 
don't understand, like, um, why it's all on Aaron Rodgers. Because we understand that Aaron Rodgers is the one that's dictating the terms of engagement for this relationship. But it's important for Aaron Rodgers to be transparent about what, he, what he's really thinking because right now you're at the combine. We all know that most deals get done at the combine. You have all the general managers in one place, and if you're going to get some type of value for Aaron Rodgers, you need to start planting those seeds with general managers that he's probably going to be available. You ask them to kind of keep it in confidence and, and, and not really talk about it. But also, you, you, you want to be able to get Aaron Rodgers maybe a contract extension so that you can mess around and do a deal so that you can alleviate some of the salary cap pressure so that you can have an opportunity to get a to trade Aaron Rodgers and get a draft pick this year. Because you have to wait to June 2nd, then you're only going to get a, 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 a first-round draft pick the following year, which can't help you build for this year behind Jordan Love. You told me several weeks ago, Watch what happens with David Carr. He came to New York. He yep. had lunch with everybody. He left, and he still doesn't have a contract. Yeah. What does that tell you as far as what the Jets are thinking regarding Rodgers? Well, they're, they're keeping everything on the table. And, listen, we think that this offseason is going to surround you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers and what his decision is. The big fish in this free agency is what the Baltimore Ravens do with the non-exclusive tag, what type of tag they put on Lamar Jackson. Because if they don't do anything with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens make it seem that he could be got for two first-round draft picks, then all bets are off for Aaron Rodgers, and we have to wait with Lamar Jackson. Like, this thing is just getting started. This is the tip of the iceberg. All right, so March 7th is the final day. Um, for franchise tags, the first of which has been given out already today in Washington. Final word, Timmy. Oh, who, who's, who, who's got the final word? Uh, Jeff, go. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is that March 8th was the day that ultimately the Packers and, uh, and Aaron Rodgers agreed to their new deal. My point in all of this is if they're not talking, it's very disconcerting. If they are talking, they can get there. But this is it's, it's urgent. It's time. They got to figure it out for so many reasons. The quarterbacks that are on the market, the Packers need to get as much compensation as they can, and they also need to enter free agency knowing who their quarterback is. We are on the clock. The Packers need an answer, and they need it soon. No, oh, no question about it, and so do several other teams. All right, a lot of musical chairs to be played there. Meanwhile, as we just started here this morning on Get Up, as we continue, Dallas. Is Dallas holding back Dak, or are they getting too much flack? Jerry Jones' son reveals the Cowboys' plan for their star quarterback. We're talking about it. Plus, Mel Kuyper's latest mock is here. He has the Bears wheeling and dealing at the top. Wait till you see where the quarterbacks are headed. You will. We're just getting started. It's Get Up on ESPN. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Get Up is brought to you by The Mandalorian Season 3, streaming Wednesday only on Disney+. As I touched on, sneaky big news overnight. According to Shefty, the commanders have placed the franchise tag on defensive tackle Deron Payne. So he is the first player to receive the tag this year. If he plays on that tag, he will earn nearly $19 million. But the significance of this to every team around the league, we've got about a week to go before the deadline for these tags is out. And there are some important ones, big decisions to be made. Meanwhile, the Cowboys have already had a busy offseason. We know their season ended in disappointment, short of the NFC title game for the 27th straight year. Dak Prescott throwing a pair of picks in that 1912 loss to San Francisco. And then in the aftermath, Dallas parting ways with the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. So Mike McCarthy will take over play-calling duties as he enters year four as the Cowboys head coach. He'll try to help Dak Prescott cut down on his turnovers as he enters a critical year. Cowboys could move on from Dak's contract after next season if they wanted to. This coming year is the last one that has any guaranteed money in it. Now, Stephen Jones, who's the Cowboys executive VP, was talking yesterday at the Combine and said about his quarterback, I've got all the faith in the world we can win this thing with Dak. Other than he hadn't won some key playoff games, he's everything you want in a quarterback. <laughs> From the day he walked in the door, he's won a lot of games. We just got to get over the hump. We, we got to have a plan to ultimately extend Dak. Bart started laughing as I, what made you laugh there? I mean, isn't that the job? He's everything you want, but he's a nice guy. Like, you got to win some damn games. You got to exceed expectations. The mandate last year, Greeny, was to go deep in the playoffs. They won one game. Right. Like, what are we talking about? And now you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because now he has a high cap number, and it would be great to try and extend him so that you can get some release so that you can bring some talent. They need some talent opposite C.D. Lamb. Everybody knows the future of Ezekiel Elliott is probably over with. He'll probably come back on a cheaper uh, contract if, you know, he, he, he can, he'll take less money. But the job is to win a damn football game, and he hasn't showed up and played big. He led the league in interceptions, and he missed games. So he's everything we want. Everything I want is a playoff win. I don't care who you are as a person. Okay, you're a nice guy. Congratulations. But listen, that has to, to translate into wins and victories and team success. And he can be the nicest guy in the world, but you got to win a damn game. That, that says it all about Dallas. What the hell is the expectations? What you want to uh, – thank you. Congratulations. Walter Payton <laughs> Man of the Year Award. That is a high regard. But they ain't winning me no games. That, that's, it's actually a very interesting point. And where they sit is an interesting place. 
Because, Jeff, if there's one thing that I think Dak proved to us last time he went through this contract thing is he gets it. He held out for a shorter deal. He's not going to extend his contract because he knows that they have to do something with him. If they want to sign him, they're going to have to sign him for all, you know, the huge quarterback money right now because he knows that if he becomes a free agent, no matter how spectacular we may not think he is, teams will break the bank for a player like him. That's how I see it, Jeff. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, you make a great point that I didn't even think about until you just said it. When it comes to, he held out for the shorter deal for that very reason, so he could get the other bite of the apple. Now, I, look, Stephen Jones' comments are the NFL's version of the great expression. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the show? Yeah. I mean, right. we very clearly need more out of Dak Prescott than the qualities uh, that Stephen Jones listed. But, you know, without being overly critical here, just because of Stephen Jones' comments, I do understand why the Cowboys are committed to Dak Prescott from the standpoint that there's two reasons. First of which is they believe in him. But the second of which is he's got a $60 million cap hit now. Now they can restructure and save about $22 million against the cap to go out and spend. But if they can do an extension, they get a lot more money. And that ultimately is the goal of these teams, right? To put more pieces around Dak Prescott. So I understand what Stephen Jones is saying, maybe just the way he said it. Tim, what do you think? Look, I, I think extending Dak is a no-brainer. Look, Dak Prescott isn't even 30 years old yet. Look, he missed a bunch of games because of the thumb injury. It was an off year by his standards for sure, and his numbers are still comparable to someone like Derek Carr's numbers, who's roughly the same age, who everyone's like, hey, let's go out and get Derek Carr. So I actually don't understand it. I think we're being too critical of Dak. He's had a lot of production this year. Historically, he's been great at protecting the football this year notwithstanding. Look, there's some changes offensively for them. Uh, look, I, I get what Bart's saying. You don't pay a guy because he's a nice guy and he wins the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. But you do want that type of leader at the quarterback position for your football team, mm -hmm. for your organization. They have that. So I, I, I look at Dak Prescott, and I think it's, it's a no-brainer to extend him, help you get guys uh, like Tony Pollard under contract, keep them in your building, Find another wide receiver. Like to me, you know, the the postseason uh, lack of success isn't all at the lap of Dak Prescott. He, he, he didn't want to throw the interceptions, but yeah. Tim, you, if, you, if you give him the extension, then that's going to guarantee him more years. I think he wanted the shorter deal because he wanted to prove it deal. If you're talking extension, by the time this, this free agent market is over with these quarterbacks and Lamar gets paid, Jalen Hurts gets paid, Joe Burrow gets paid, Herbert gets paid, you may be committing 50-plus million dollars to Dak Prescott, right. who hasn't proved he was worth his last deal because at the end of the day, he got the same amount of playoff wins as, as, as Trevor Lawrence. I, that, that is true. Let, let, let me put a pin in that. We'll come back to this because the reality is you're not choosing amongst you. It's not like they're saying, well, okay, we can either have Dak or Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's not right. the way the options work. So right. let, let's, let's come back to that one because I think right. there's a lot more to be said about it as we continue. Meanwhile, did you hear what Charles Barkley had to say with Stephen A. yesterday about load management in the NBA? You don't want to miss it. If you did, we'll tell you whether or not Charles is right in his perspective. Plus, Mel's latest mock revealed this morning, which is the bigger concern, Bryce Young's height or his weight? We're talking about that as we roll on. Do we get up with you on ESPN? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are back on Get Up. Another great game in the NBA last night. We showed you Nick Celtics. How about Heat Sixers? Joel Embiid having a monster year. Monica McNutt, Sixers down in the fourth quarter, but Embiid bringing him back. I mean, this is the guy that Kendrick Perkins has given the MVP award to. He's been a backup, or excuse me, the runner-up for that the last two years. Look at him here staring everybody down and knocking that down. They've been down by 11. That made it a one-point game. Minute and a half to go. Miami now trailing, but look at Jimmy Butler. The acrobatic layer. Ooh, Jordan-esque. I mean, just a magi- magician at the rim. Beautiful backspin using the glass. Jimmy G buckets. The G stands for gets. Now 30 seconds left. Oh, bam, out of bio with the block. I mean, defense wins games, so they say. This is a really terrific showing for the Miami Heat. Here's the final second. Sixers down two. Who's going to get the shot? James Harden for the win. No good. And the Sixers fall in a tight one at home again. Back-to-back tough losses. For Philly at home, that game against Boston on Saturday night, and now this. And so you take a look at the setup here at the top of the Eastern Conference. The Bucs have actually moved ahead of Boston by just percentage points into the one seed for the moment in the East. Although, according to our analytics, the Celtics still have a very slight edge at getting that one seed. And then a bit of a step down, you have Philadelphia. So, again, Monica's with us this morning, and so is Zach Lowe of the Low Post podcast and everything else. So, Zach, here's the way I want to phrase the question this morning. It came up in our production meeting today. When we look at the top of the East, do you see a big two or a big three at the top of the Eastern Conference? I still think there's a big two, and Philly has the potential to play with those big two and push those big two and even beat them four and seven, but their margin of error is lower, their benefit of the doubt is lower, and what their best players have to prove in the playoffs is bigger. So I'm still going big two as much respect as I have for Philly and Cleveland and the frisky New York Knicks. <laughs> Ooh, Zach, look what you did there. <laughs> the winners of six in a row. We showed that at the beginning. Monica, the same to you. with The Boston and Milwaukee, and then you've got the Sixers. It's always so close. Mm-hmm. I said yesterday, I almost feel, I feel for Embiid mm-hmm. because he's just always not quite there. And do they have enough? I think there's a lot of pressure on them to get it done this year. I, I mean, I think anything can happen. But as we go into the postseason, I agree with Zach. There's a big two. And, and I don't need to get into the numbers in terms of who puts the most pressure on the rim and defense. And Philly has been terrific this year. They've had some head scratchers, but most teams are prone to some of those at points in the season. To me, I continue to go back to past behavior being the best indicator of future success. And Philly, for whatever reason, when the clock strikes midnight, a.k.a. after April 9th or 9th, I believe, yes. they seem to have discombobulations of many numbers for whatever reason. And so this is a tremendous year. Yesterday, you, we bring up that question about pressure, right? Mm-hmm. To me, this is the best Philly team we've seen going into the postseason in, I don't know, at least three seasons for sure in terms of them being healthy, having continuity, guys have been on the floor. The pressure is on because this is the group that is in the best position to contend with those two teams. No, I agree. I mean, it's distributed. Embiid and Harden and the GM, Daryl Morey, and the coach, Doc Rivers, 
a lot of pressure there. Before I move on to other things, we opened the show showing you the latest from LeBron James. Uh, Woj saying that it's not a question of when he comes back this season, but if he comes back this season, uh, expected feared to be out several weeks with the injury to the right foot. Zach, we've not yet gotten a thought from you on, on this. Obviously, a devastating news for a Laker team that looked like it was finally headed in the right direction. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no sugarcoating this. The Lakers cannot withstand a prolonged LeBron James injury. They have nobody who can replace him. They have nobody who can do what he does. If it's really if, not when, if it's really weeks, if it's really most of the season, we can probably put a pin in all our Lakers conversations until the offseason and to discuss about, you know, how they're going to remake the team around LeBron and AD presumably next season because this season will be over for them if he's out for a long time. I think that's right. I literally just jumped on the bandwagon, and now I have to jump right back off. You, I was on the bandwagon for a combined total of one day, but it was a delight while it lasted. It was a big jump, too, Greeny. It was, it was a delight while I was there. Okay, did you all see Charles yesterday? Charles Barkley on first take, one-on-one -on -one with Stephen A., a half hour of the two of them going back and forth. And among the interesting things he says is that he is not a particular fan of the commissioner's latest response to the issue of load management in the NBA. Here's Charles. I think he kind of went overboard trying to take care of the players. He's trying to do everything possible to get his guys rest. But you can't make 30 40 $50 million and then sit out games. I think it's disrespectful to the game. I think it's disrespectful to the fans. We're going to have guys making $70, $80 million a year. And you can't play basketball three or four days a week. I mean, listen, it ain't like we should work it in a steel mill, brother. That was Charles yesterday. This, this has been obviously a hot-button topic in a lot of places. I wanted everyone to hear this is Charles's perspective and get a, a quick thought from uh, both of you. Again, Monica, what did you think? I will admit, I have been one that has been reticent to acknowledge that there's an issue. I kind of think the toothpaste is out of the tube, so to speak, and this is where we are in terms of mentality. But the more frequent it becomes and the GS on the box score, which is general soreness, like, Who's not generally sore, even if you're not an athlete? And so I would agree that there's something that needs to be addressed. How we go about addressing it, I'm not sure. I know folks have tossed out, should um, the, in, the revenue that players make, should their money be tied to their games? I don't know if it's that simple, but it is something that needs to be explored. Zach, and we hear about this from you, of course, on the podcast and everything else. For the audience that has not heard your perspective, what do you think of that and what Charles said? Yeah, first, I would like to report no soreness today for me, but I have not shoveled the snow yet, so perhaps I will be sore generally later. Look, I think Charles is right that this is a problem, but I think in a lot of cases, and probably the majority of cases, he's blaming the wrong people. This is a sports science thing. This is a front office thing and team management thing. They are dictating these decisions in a majority of the cases. There are some players who are dictating the decisions on their own for whatever reason, and that's a totally isolated different thing in a lot of cases it's teams and I think the league has to have a very hard conversation with its teams with its governors about is this right are we overdoing this and should the season be 10 games shorter so that everybody plays in a majority of the games and we don't have fans go and say wait a second I thought I was seeing Giannis and Jokic and nobody's here what's going on I think that's right. All right. I just wanted everyone to hear it and to get a quick thought on that. But let's leave the basketball conversation with a smile on our face. How about this? Uh, so, so, Monica, you tell me. This is Sidi Sissoko uh, in the G League. Now, he's going to throw down the slam, but he's called for the charge. What do you think? Locker charge. 
That is definitely a block. Well, are we gonna do the restricted area thing? Like, I get it. <laughs> Shout out to this young man that stands in. But come on now. Yeah. That, that, just watching that left oh. hand with general soreness. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Going up and throwing it down to Soko. Uh, I love it. Uh, tomorrow, we've got this terrific day. We will be in Boston, actually, tomorrow for our double header uh, for our NBA coverage. We'll have Jason Tatum and the Celtics looking to bounce back against Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs. Then we'll be in Portland for Damian Lillard hosting the Pelicans. Coverage begins with NBA Countdown live from Boston. That's tomorrow night, 7 Eastern, here on ESPN. As for today, I move that this should be declared a national holiday because Mel Kuyper has a mock draft available. To me, those should be celebrated, and he has... Alabama quarterback Bryce Young going number one overall, not to the Bears. He has the Texans trading up to one and taking Young. Mel then has Chicago trading down again from number two to four, where the Colts come up and take Ohio State's C.J. Stroud. And then at number five, another trade, Carolina moving up four spots from nine to five to take Kentucky's Will Levis. So those are the three big quarterbacks in this draft. There's a fourth who we expect to go high, and there you see him on your board at number nine, Anthony Richardson from Florida. This is Mel's top ten in his most recent mock draft, which is available today, 2.0. You see the quarterbacks on there. You see the Bears getting one of the two big defensive stars in this draft, Jalen Carter from Georgia. Those are the numbers. So let's talk about it. Here he is, Mel Kuyper, Jr., uh, so, Mel, let's talk about it there. Bryce Young going at number one, C.J. Stroud at two. I know what a big fan you are of Will Levis. That's really where all of the intrigue is in this draft, is in which order those guys go. Why Bryce Young number one? Well, I think you look at consensus you try to build when you talk to your friends in the National Football League, Greeny, when you do these mocks. And Bryce Young's size is a concern, no question about it. That weight, what will it be? 195, 200, 205? We'll see. Uh, in terms of C.J. Stroud, that Georgia game put him in the discussion. We saw what he could do with his legs in that game against the Georgia Bulldogs. Will Levis, I contend, Greeny, had he been healthy all year and gotten some help from his O-line and his teammates there and played like he did in 2021, we wouldn't even have the discussion. Will Levis would be the number one pick guaranteed, but that didn't happen. Anthony Richardson would have been in his second year and made improvement over what he did in year one. Anthony Richardson would have been number one overall, but he only had 13 starts and we have inconsistent passing for a kid who's supremely talented. So there's questions with all four. Uh, to a certain extent, I think QB1 is still to be determined. I think the consensus, though, from the people I talked to is Bryce Young. But it's not everybody, Greeny, because that size is a big concern. Can he withstand punishment through a long NFL season? Only well, played two years at Alabama at the shoulder this year. Uh, that is definitely a concern. We have never in the history of the draft had a quarterback go this high at that size. So what's fascinating to me is uh, that sound you hear is all of the people we know in Chicago screaming in joy if it winds up going the way you describe it. If they can make not one but two trades, get all of whatever it is, the King's Ransom, they can gather for all of that and still get one of the two big defensive stars in this draft. That feels like a dream scenario for the Bears who sit right now at number one. Yes? No question about it. If you can get Jalen Carter from Georgia, Greeny, who I think is the best player in this draft, it's not a good draft. 
but he's the number one guy on the board right now. Injured in September, came back healthy, and was wreaking havoc late. He was the dominant figure in 2021 on that talent-laden Georgia Bulldog defense. Jalen Carter was the guy. Uh, the Bears need him, that interior defensive tackle, defense line in general. Greeny, big need for the Chicago Bears. They have their franchise quarterback in Justin Fields, so no question, you keep Fields. You don't trade Justin Fields. Justin Fields is your guy. You move down twice, you get extra draft picks. You benefit from teams willing to move up and desperate to move up to get that quarterback in this draft. And you had four, you're guaranteed either Will Anderson Jr. or Jalen Carter. And one final thought, I want to circle it back to the quarterback that Mel mentioned at the very end of that conversation, because I'm sure a lot of football fans, well, you watch Florida play this year, obviously, had the one great performance against Utah, but Anthony Richardson will be one of the most fascinating projects and fascinating decisions that any NFL team will make, because the talent, the skill set is off the charts, but there are so many questions as well. There are. And the one year as a starter, Greeny, I mean, 13 starts, there are a lot of guys would say, no, you cannot take a quarterback in the first round or that high in the first round with limited experience at the collegiate level. The talent is off the charts. He will be, when he ever he becomes a starter, Greeny, he'll be one of the top three running quarterbacks in the NFL. The passing, he's got the howitzer. He's got the rocket arm. But accuracy, seeing the field is things he needs to work on. Another year at Florida would have benefited him, but hey, if you're going to be a top 10 pick, develop in the NFL, okay? So for Anthony Richardson, I've said boomer bust. The old cliche is what? Make your draft or break your heart. That's Anthony Richardson. All right, there he is. He's the man who invented the draft. Mel Kuyper Jr. as we count it down again. Mock Draft 2.0 available on ESPN.com as we speak. Mel, we'll check back with you a little bit later in the program as we work our way towards the end of April. Meanwhile, this man was drafted several years ago and seemed destined for stardom. But now, are Carson Wentz's days as a starting quarterback over? What happened? We'll talk about it next. All right, this is uh, Get Up as we continue. And the big news coming from Washington yesterday, the commanders have released quarterback Carson Wentz. It has been quite the fall for Wentz, who, of course, lost his job to Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, then was traded to the Colts, was cut after one season there, and now he's been cut again after one year in Washington, D.C. And so you take a look. Those are um, the, the, the numbers. And, I mean, and sometimes numbers can lie, but in this case... They do not. This is a player who once upon a time we said had MVP caliber talent and potential and had one season where he looked like it was headed in that direction and then it's all all just gone completely sideways. And so I, I want to just sort of start with the group here. Does this feel like the end of the road? Is, is this have we seen the last time Carson Wentz will be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Bart. It's definitely a crossroad. Who would have thought, you know, out of that draft that Jared, Jared Goff would be the one with the promising future after the Rams gave up on him? But Carson Wentz, you know, not only did he, you know, seem to lose his ability to, to make impactful plays, he lost the locker room in Philadelphia. So, questions of him as a leader. And also, just when Frank Wright gives up on you, he put his, his, his coaching career on the line for you. And, you know, Carson Wentz wasn't able to answer the bell. Not being able to beat Jacksonville, it is really – you know, big course. He's only 30 years old, but it may be time for Carson Wentz to really, truly sit and be humble for a couple of years, be a backup, and see if he can recreate himself. But right now, it's not looking good, Greeny. Tim, what do you think? 
I think in terms of, look, he's done as a starter, Greeny. I think the question ends up being, mm -hmm. like, what's the burning desire inside of him? You have to consider it this way. He's made $130 million playing football so far. Is he going to go take a deal to be a backup with little to no guarantees to not even know if you're going to make the roster coming out of training camp and be somebody's backup? Like, not everybody has the stomach for that. Not everybody wants to pursue that, especially when they've kind of been rewarded for being a starter. So, look, I, I, I think not only is he done as a starter, I think there's going to be legitimate soul-searching for Carson Wentz on whether or not he wants to continue playing football. It's, it's remarkable. It's very hard to disagree. I brought that up with Jeff Darlington as well. In an age where a lot of guys have made so much money by this time, they're playing right. because they want to more than they have to. And at this point, will he feel that way? Jeff, what is your sense of where this goes from here? I feel like I'm piling on at this point, but I don't even know that he has the passion to be the starter. I mean, I, I remember standing on the sideline in Jacksonville covering the Colts-Jaguars game in a win-in-your-in scenario when a quarterback in his situation where, I mean, basically it's, it's all there for him to prove that he can still play in this league, that he had, can get the redemption that he's looking for. And I, I've never witnessed in my life a less inspiring moment from a quarterback on a sideline who looked like he truly didn't care. Not one to try to read body language, but it was screaming at everyone watching him. So ever since that moment, uh, yeah, I've never really thought that, that, uh, that redemption was in the cards, let alone another team after Washington. I, ju I just don't see it. Uh, it's remarkable. And, and look, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to believe that it has gone in this direction. We were talking about him maybe as an ascendant star yeah. in the National Football League, and it has been quite the fall. One way or the other, we will see. And there are quarterback questions that remain in Washington. Our next stop is baseball and the rule changes that exploded Twitter over the weekend. They have certainly ignited a controversy, and they came to a head on Saturday when the Braves' Cal Conley. You loved it, Bart? It, it takes to cheat in a way, Greeny. Like, now guys can't be sitting up here ringing bells, hitting garbage cans and all that type of <laughs> stuff. You have to get in the box. I'm tired of sitting there trying to eat my popcorn, forgot what I'm going to do after baseball, and that guy's fixing his gloves after he hasn't even taken a swing. I, like, why do you have to fix your glove if you haven't swung yet, Greeny? I, I love it. There's Bart making the point that a lot of people are making. A, a baseball game ended without a pitch being thrown because the batter wasn't in the box at the time that he was supposed to be. And you see here the rules on your screen for where this is all supposed to go go and this of course has ignited a lot of conversation and hand-wringing amongst a lot of people who like to conversate and wring their hands about anything that changes in Major League Baseball and so I'm going to make a change my mind here and I'm going to bring Robert Stanberry only the third into the conversation to do it I don't think Buster is going to want to change my mind but Buster you and I both know and you deal with them more than I do obviously that there are people in baseball, and I don't mean to disparage them, I get that they love the game and they love the sport, but they get incredibly upset about anything changing. And adding a clock to baseball is, is as big a fundamental change as you can possibly have, because one of the things we've always said about the sport is that it is the one that doesn't have any clock. But here's what I would say, that watching the games as we've seen them and seeing the way that this has impacted AAA when they instituted it a year ago, if all the people who are against this didn't know there was a clock, if they were just watching the game, but no one told them this was being governed by a clock, it just moved along at the pace that it will now. 
Every one of those fans would say, wow, baseball has never been better. This was a terrific game today. This was a terrific baseball season. They all like the clock. They just don't know it. Buster, what do you think? I completely agree with you. You know, I've seen some reaction from some old school fans on Twitter saying, look, I don't want less baseball. Well, it's the same amount of baseball. It's 54 outs. It's nine innings still. It's just going at a faster pace. And it's interesting in talking with players. You know, Pete Alonso of the Mets told me yesterday he's still up in the air about this. He wants to have more plate appearances before he decides what he feels. But there are a lot of players, Paul Goldschmidt, Carlos Correa, Vinny Pascantino with the Royals telling me they love it. And I think that as they get adjusted, as they get acclimated, you're going to hear more and more of that. Yeah, look, and this isn't about whether the players like it or not. Players have adjusted to many things over the course of time in all sports, and they always will. I'm really thinking more about the fans and to the point you just made. If, on average, this shaves about 20 minutes of nothing out of the experience of a game, to be, to be clear, this is the time between the action. This is 20 minutes of guys adjusting their gloves and scratching themselves. 20 minutes times 162, that's 54 hours of your life. They're giving you back. That's two and a half days over the course of a season that you can spend doing other things. To me, this is a gift that baseball is giving, and I don't understand the backlash, Buster. I really don't. No, I, I completely agree with you. You're cutting out 20 minutes of fat. And when they polled the minor league players uh, last year who went through this, uh, about 80% of them said that they adjusted within two months. And it'll feel seamless. When I was standing on the sidelines yesterday, you know, watching the Cardinals and the Mets play, you kind of forgot about the clock. You just saw that the game uh, moved along faster. It, uh, the the uh, hitters stayed in the box. The pitchers stayed on the mound. You saw more hits. You saw more action. And that's, in the end, what Major League Baseball was going for. They assume there's going to be some chaos early on. They might have game-deciding situations because of the clock. But the players will adjust. And I agree with you. I think people are going to love the product of what, what we've seen devolve over the last three decades. Absolutely. Look, the Super Bowl just ended on a call that a lot of people didn't like. These things happen in other sports. There's no reason that we have to be so afraid that it might happen in baseball. Buster, you were the best, so I got one on my side. One voice is with me. We'll see if anyone else jumps on board. Buster, thank you. Our spring training schedule rolls on today. Grapefruit League game, Astros and Mets in Port St. Lucie. That's one Eastern. It's also available on the ESPN app. Coming up, a devastating diagnosis. The king is dinged. Does it mean the end of a season that looked like it might finally be turning around? We'll answer that question next. You're watching Get Up on ESPN.